Hey everybody, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. I'm Mary Elizabeth Kidd, Communications Manager at Georgia Organics. I'm really excited for what we've got in store today. First up, we're going to be talking with the Forsyth Farmers Market team in Savannah, Georgia. I sat down recently with them to discuss not only their work on the market, but also their incredible food equity work in the community of Savannah. We're talking about how food can really serve as a tool for social change and restorative health in a time when we most need it. After that, we'll be getting gardening tips from farmers with the one and only garden queen herself, get excited, Haleen Green. And after that, we're celebrating five years of the Farmer Fund with its founders, Darla Milstein and Lauren Carey. We're excited to talk about the past, present, and future of the Farmer Fund as Georgia Organics continues to use this platform to help small farmers in Georgia recovering from crises from Hurricane Michael to the current COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy. Stay tuned. I recently had the pleasure of traveling down to Savannah, Georgia, and I sat down with the Forsyth Farmers Market team to talk a little bit about why they consider themselves so much more than just a market. I think we can all agree the impact that a great farmer's market can have on a community and, and the benefits it brings to small farmers in our state. But what really amazed me was some of the other programs that they have that are working to establish food equity in the Savannah area and beyond. This is a team that's got some incredible talent, brilliant brain power, and a lot of passion behind what they do. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and hope you do too. I'm with the team of the Forsyth Farmers Market and um, yeah, let's go around the horn and introduce each other. So I'm Jeff Bush. I'm the executive director here at the Forsyth Farmers Market. I'm Tasha Way, the education and outreach coordinator with the Forsyth Farmers Market. I'm Mark Bowen. I'm the director of community programs for Forsyth Farmers Market. Quite a, quite a team. This is awesome. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Um, your patience dealing with my uh, technical learning curve here as I set up these mics. So hopefully folks can hear it. <laughs> Sitting here fumbling with wires and such. But we're here. We're recording. We're going. So it's Friday. Um, it's pretty gray. It's been rainy. Um, and tomorrow is the market. So... Tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about the history of the market, Jeb, and then I'd love to kind of go around and and talk about the extent of the work that y'all are doing. Okay, great. So, the market is 11 years old now. It was founded in 2009 by uh, six women who came together and saw the need to improve the connection between local farmers and the community. And so, it uh, started off with just eight vendors. Um, and now we've got 60, um, excuse me, 56 vendors on the roster. Wow. So we'll expect probably about 35 vendors to be there tomorrow. Yeah. And so um, we opened with an eye on being community minded. We were, uh, we opened as a farmer's market that accepted SNAP. We were one of the first mm -hmm. farmer's markets in the country to actually begin uh, accepting SNAP EBT, and um, we were one of the first to partner with Wholesome Way of Georgia to double SNAP benefits. Um, ever since then, we've always been in the top three um, SNAP redeeming markets in the awesome. state, and 
for the past few years, we've been the top, and I believe that we're going to still be that again this year. That's great. That's really awesome. Yeah, and I'm so glad we worked in a shout-out for our friends over at Wholesome Wave Georgia. Their work is so incredible. We talked to Will and the team recently about some of their pandemic work, and I know especially with PEBT and just how many people have had to come into the SNAP program that aren't that haven't had to before. I know there's been a lot for people to navigate, so that's really awesome. Um, yeah, go go around. Y'all tell me a little bit about what um, each of you do and, and yeah, the, the impact you're having in, in Savannah. Well, I could go on for a very long time, so I'm going to try and, like, I'm going to try and, like, wrangle it in. Um, again, the, um, Mark Bowen, Director of Community Programs, and basically I manage um, the programs that outside of the farmer's market. Um, so our education programs, our farm truck program, um, and do some support work around um, other things in the organization. Um, just based off of something that you had asked about earlier with like um, what's going on with Black Lives Matter and, and, how, and our involvement in, in, in those kind of affairs um, and that type of movement. Um, so prior to um, the killing of George Floyd and the uprisings and um, what we started to do is dedicate ourselves to um, being clear about our political identity. Mm -hmm. So that meant being more upfront about being a food justice organization. So we have been doing very, a lot of very intentional work around, um, around revisiting our goals and our principles and updating them um, because it's been what 10 years since they've been updated yeah. um, so um, we're, we're very intentionally working in like um, food justice movement um, um, ethics and values and you know into our organization so that we, it can always it can always act as a compass for the work that we do yeah. so when um, when when George Floyd um, was murdered um, you know, every organization that had nothing to do with anything with Black Lives Matter had a statement mm -hmm. to make. Everyone was like, L'Oreal was like, <laughs> did you know Black Lives Matter? Uh, oh, yeah. So yep. our position was a little different. Our position was like, no, we are doing the work as a food justice organization. All we have to do is keep doing the work that we're doing, right? And so we started to think about like the intersections of like if we are if we're trying to make create a more equitable and just world that by default that by default prevents things like what happened to George Floyd right because right? that could have had something like that could happen at Forsyth at the market on Saturday but because of our values and what we're doing anyway we create space for those kind of things not to take place so that was kind of um so just in that world that's yeah. that's kind of where we're at with it yeah 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 it's it's a really you know, I think we're probably all the same and that we all love food and we love what it does for connection with people and the effect and the power that it has in communities and to bring health to communities. And I think this time has proven that to be so true. Um, and I think, too, it's important that y'all aren't new to this work. This isn't, you know, there's a lot of companies that are waking up and saying, we're not doing enough. Now, that's good because we need them to wake up. But I think what's impressive is y'all have been doing the work. You've been, you know, 
proving yourself as food justice leaders. I know one thing we do keep um, reiterating around Georgia Organics is is that food justice is racial justice. I think when you have the one, you inherently have the other. And from what I see all do and, and your community outreach programs and, and, you know, you're doing that. So, so you know, my hat's off to y'all. I know especially being in the South, being in the Deep South and, you know, I was just thinking like we're what an hour away from Brunswick from Glen County where Ahmaud Arbery was was murdered I mean it's I think as as southerners I'm not sure if y'all are all from the south originally but when you live in the south you realize there's um it's an uphill battle you know every day so I'm curious have y'all what have been some of y'all's observations and this could be over the the entirety of your time with with the market as pertains to food bringing people together, food as a tool of social justice. What, I mean, you guys are, are like laughing, like where do you start, I'm sure, but. So that's definitely one of the things that brought me to this organization yeah. was understanding just how important food is as a catalyst for any kind of movement. And I have to say that I'm really proud of how intentional our program is around bringing food and community together. Um, before COVID, we had a cooking class that we did in a senior senior living community, and it was every Fridays. And it was a program that we started just as I started working with the organization last year in January. And um, I'm thinking about it right now because we just visited them for the first time today mm -hmm. um, since maybe March or so. Yeah. We hadn't seen them. We stopped classes in March. and they missed us so much oh, yeah. they missed the sense of community they missed the access to the food mm -hmm. they missed gathering with each other and sharing recipes and you know when i went into that program i didn't know i was like oh my gosh i don't know what i'm doing like i'm just gonna stand there and like cook that's you know i'm gonna just stand there and cook and people are gonna taste it and tell me what it's like and the first day I had that class, I actually got to like embody what it means for food and community to really make an impact. Wow. Um, we had people sharing recipes that their grandmothers would make, you know, oh, instead wow. of just buying an onion from the grocery store, we had stories about like pickling onions with their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're sharing a lot of, um, of our food ways. We're sharing a lot of our yeah. food memories when we're, we're gathering together and we have these classes. And that's such an important part of our healing work yeah. is creating that space so individuals can actually share their narratives. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's, you know, I think there's a practical and a very emotional part of, of cooking right now. I know practically we're stuck at home. We're trying to avoid restaurants and busy places. And then emotionally, it's just healing to work with food and to nourish your family friends whoever's around you at a safe distance um and especially for older communities i think this is a really really hard time for people who are older and and who are already you know um at risk nutritionally of mm -hmm. of having access to good food and healthy food and that's amazing that sounds like a really special special moment i'm sure it meant a lot to them yeah, it meant a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. um, I tell them, yeah. you know, every time I was there, I would tell them that was the best part of my week. Every yeah. week I would have that class to look forward to. So it was great to connect with them again. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the farm truck. It's it's big and beautiful parked outside, farm truck 912. So tell me what y'all got going on with that. Has that been ramped back up? Yes. So um, farm truck 912 is a mobile produce um, vehicle that 
goes to mostly um, communities that are experiencing food apartheid. And um, so glad you used that word. I think yeah. we need to stop shying away from <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's part of the conversation around here too. Is like moving away from food desert. And, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, it goes into communities that are experiencing food apartheid to offer fresh local food. So it has like a dual benefit because it opens up um, revenues and markets for our, our farmers and, and the vendors that we purchase food from. Plus, it gets food to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. The farm truck also does the um, half off the wholesome mm-hmm. wave, mm-hmm. half um, double bucks benefit. Yeah. So, um, farm truck nine one two, when COVID came about, actually our work shifted a lot. Um, the farm truck did not stop running. Um, neither right. did neither did the farmers market because getting food healthy food getting food to people is essential mm-hmm. and um and that was pretty quick right that we got the essential i remember it's hard to remember months yeah, ago it came from the mayor uh it came from the mayor uh at the very beginning um okay. locally because at first the city had said no nothing no public gatherings in any public mm-hmm. spaces and so the market had been canceled and then we were going to come out here to our office in thunderbolt mm-hmm. and try to have it here and then they kicked us out and so it was friday at six o'clock and we had no clue as to what we were going to do we were getting ready to cancel it and i called Kristen, Uh and she made a few more phone calls and the mayor deemed us as an essential business and that morning we had the the farmer's market well wow (laughs) (laughs) just in the nick of time sorry yeah keep going yeah so um yeah, so the farm truck kept running, but just as in, at the market, things had to shift. Um, um, Jeb could talk more about the shifts that happened at the market, but at the farm truck, at the beginning, like, no customers could touch food anymore because they used to be able to just be able to go up like any grocery store and pick out their food. That was no longer a thing. Everyone had to sanitize. Um, everyone had to wear masks. Everyone had to stay six feet away from the food and from each other. So, and those things are still being implemented. Um, so that's what shifted there. But um, as Tasha was talking about, we also service um, different senior residential mm-hmm. communities throughout the city. And th- knowing that they were at the most risk um, in terms of, you know, contracting an Ill- contracting the illness, um, what we did is we created a food delivery service. Wow. And so now every Friday we go to these different senior communities throughout the city and we just deliver the food directly to their door, coordinating with the residential coordinators of what kind of food they get to order during the week. So that was one big shift. And then the other big shift is we wanted to make sure that we we're going to address the food insecurity issues that were going to take place um, citywide and new countrywide, whatever. Um, and so we created the COVID-19 food fund. And that was an um, online donation. We started accepting donations online. And basically what would happen is we, we worked with our community partners who were already getting food to people, um, such as like the Pennsylvania Avenue Resource Center, um, Moses Jackson Advancement Center, um, and other organizations, the YMCA. And what we would do is we would pack bags for them of food, and this food was for free. Um, the idea of it, be, so let me back up a second. So the idea of the program would be that anyone who donates to the program, their money has a double effect because one, 
it's going to be used to purchase food from struggling farmers because now they're losing a lot of money, yeah. a lot of revenues from restaurant closures. And then that food and that money is also being spent. The food that's purchased is going directly into someone's food insecure home. Mm -hmm. So every single week we spent, well, we were uh, every single week and it's still continuing. Um, we'd get out about anywhere between two to five hundred dollars worth of food um, out into every the community week. every wow. week. Yeah, um, we get this food out to different communities, and yeah, and so wow. we've been doing that program, and it continues to go on. We've been helping um, the immig uh, immigrant community. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been helping students. We've helped students that were stranded um, at um, Savannah State who mm -hmm. had no way to get back to their countries in Africa. Yeah. Um, we've been supporting the Nation of Islam. We've been just yeah. we've been we the the, the we're very grateful for the people that have donated to the program because we've been able to actually get food out to people. Can folks still donate to that? Is that is that ongoing? Have y'all, yeah. Come on, yeah. plug it, let's get some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly, so um, just you can go to www.forsythefarmersmarket.com backslash give Boom. and in the comment section just write COVID-19 and that money will be directly put into that account. Yeah, y'all, that's incredible. I mean, that's, it's crucial to, and it's something we try to do at Georgia Organics in the Atlanta area with our Food Fight program, which is, which is for restaurant workers, but the critical funding piece there too is that the money is going to farmers. And so it becomes this sort of, you know, trinity of, of getting healthy food and sustaining local economies. So, and that's an amazing, um, kind of audience of people that are getting these these weekly deliveries that sounds like an amazing those sound like some pretty amazing people in savannah that that need this food and and you know i think it's so important too to notice like that nourishes in so many ways like seeing beautiful fresh things right now life organic mm -hmm. things like it's soothing in its own so absolutely so the reception to the our senior delivery program has been amazing yeah um when we are knocking on doors so we like hand deliver every single bag wow and when we are knocking on these doors you know they're waiting for us they are ready yeah. sometimes we're like the only other people that they see yeah you know and so instead of just dropping off their food we're building relationships with these mm. individuals mm -hmm. we're we're talking about what they're making, you know, mm -hmm. um, who they've spoken to on the phone. Um, we're really building yeah. relationships with these individuals and it makes such a difference. Yeah. Like right now, especially, it's so important to really connect to our community. Yeah. And that part of the work has been really meaningful. I'm curious, what is, tell me about the um, sort of education component that comes with that. Because I think one of the things that's interesting is when, you know, especially in a situation like now where some people might be new to the SNAP program, they might be then new to going to farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot to learn if you're not, if you're used to just getting, you know, packaged romaine or whatever yeah. it is. And then you see like fresh redhead lettuce, like what are some of those things that you're, I'm sure you're having those interactions with people of educating, like, how do I cook kohlrabi? Like, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> kohlrabi is something that I keep hearing. <laughs> so you peel it now. <laughs> um, so 
I think that's one of my favorite parts of our interactions is I love when people ask me how to make something, yeah. you know, um, because it opens up a whole world of conversation. So I ask them, you know, they usually ask me, well, you know, I've never made red cabbage before or yeah. I've only ever had it at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And um, so else that will start a conversation on, you know, well, this is how I like to make it. Mm -hmm. And what happens if we're at the market or we're at a stop at the truck where there are other people, sometimes we'll have them chime in as well. Yeah. And so what we have is we have multiple perspectives that are being shared instead of just my one recipe right but that right. starts an entire conversation about you know what they could do with this produce and it gives them some options i think when people feel that they have options and they are not shamed for their food choices mm -hmm. and so we're engaging with them not in like this like this is what you should eat but this is mm -hmm. how you know this is how you can prepare it or let's try it this way you don't like it that way let's try it another way i think they're much more open to yeah. having those conversations yeah well and it's really amazing to think too that what all is happening with this food right now i'm thinking about you saying you know you have elders mm -hmm. you have you know, students, um, people with the Nation of Islam. Like, I'm thinking of all these cultures swirling mm. that must be happening with recipes and with cooking. Yeah. And and that's great to hear that at, at a place like the Farm Truck, people are engaging with each other about things like that. I think that brings us all together. So. Yeah. Um, and Tasha, do you want to talk a little bit about where our education programs are going in terms of, like, Attawa <laughs> and stuff like that? <laughs> Sure. And how we're not the food police. It's <laughs> yeah. huge. That's Absolutely. a really important point. So one of our signature programs here at the Forsyth Farmers Market is our Taste of African Heritage cooking classes. Mm -hmm. And those are free six-week long courses that we have in the community throughout the year. Yeah. And so in March, we had just started another round of classes and it was doing so well. We had about 15, 16 people in a class. Like it was amazing. Everyone was like so pumped to come to class and then we had to cancel because of COVID. Oh God. Um, and so we have been um, fine tuning how we'll relaunch this program starting next month. Uh, but essentially, instead of having an actual like sit down cooking class, and it was actually like hands on, individuals mm -hmm. in the class typically would also like chop vegetables, seasoned produce, mm -hmm. like it was a hands-on class, which is really good yeah. for people who need some support with like, how do I cook something, right? Yeah. Instead of just telling them, we're actually showing them and doing it together. Mm -hmm. And that really makes a difference with like changing your eating habits. Yeah. If we're doing it together as a team, you're less overwhelmed with making mm -hmm. those changes in your life. Um, so we fine-tuned the program a bit and we've decided that instead of having actual classes, we will have uh, cooking demonstrations outside of the farm truck. Mm -hmm. So as Mark mentioned, the farm truck is still running right now and we have some stops that are on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so we're thinking of launching our A Taste of African Heritage class where I'll essentially be outside the truck mm -hmm. with my little setup and my produce directly sourced from the truck and I'll be making the African Heritage meals right there and passing them out to individuals who come to stop at the truck. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Could we get some of those recipes to put on our blog? Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to share them with you all. <laughs> That'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. Well, yeah, I mean, this is such a, y'all's model is so important to share, I think, for the really, you know, you're a farmer's market, but you're so much more than that. I mean, so much yep. more. More than a market. More Hashtag. than a market. Hashtag more than yes. a market. <laughs> <laughs> so That's our, uh, our fundraising campaign theme this year. 
Bingo. Okay, good. I'm glad I got we hit that mark. Um, Jed, tell us a little bit about though, like at the market, um, it being more than a market. What have you noticed? Are are you seeing new faces? Are you seeing people just get really engaged with it now that? I mean, I think the the biggest realization that we've seen is people realize this is safer. Like it's outdoors. Two hands have touched this food to get to me. You know, all yeah. these things beyond it being so much more sustainable for the environment and everything. So, yeah. so you know, the first two weeks of COVID, um, we had very light crowds yeah. at the market. Yeah. And we all got really nervous that this mm. was going to be a, a, a rough time yeah. uh, for our farmers. I mean, already on top of them losing so much restaurant business we were scared they were going to lose this individual business as well Mm -hmm. and but after that it it flipped and all of a sudden we started every week having record numbers compared Mm -hmm. to anything we've ever seen before Mm -hmm. um and it was um you know it was more people it was people spending more money um i think people felt safer i think people are eating at home more mm-hmm. um i think people you know it was one place where you could still come for a little piece of community mm-hmm. it was to the saturday farmers market mm-hmm. um we've seen a huge uptick in our um snap redemption mm-hmm. um in fact, uh, Mark's in school and asked me to run a report for him the other day about SNAP usage over the past six months compared to the same six months last year, and we're up 61%. Wow. That is so cool to have that data to understand like just the impact that it's been having. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah, and just big numbers coming through, from like, and, and it's holding steady. Good, good. So, yeah. uh, people are still coming out to the market, and yeah, you know, we're everybody's wearing a mask. We yeah, ask yeah. everybody to wear a mask, and then we ask, um, we've s- spread our vendors out mm-hmm. by about 20 feet. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. taken them all directly off the sidewalk yeah. and backed them up a little bit so that it no longer gets congested mm-hmm. on the sidewalk. Um, yeah. we have hand washing stations. Mm-hmm. We have um, hand sanitizer all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you forgot your mask, we have one for you, Great. you know. Yeah. What have been some of those, I'm sure you had so many logistical learnings as far as the hand wash stations and how do you set, did y'all build, did you build the hand wash stations? Were you able to obtain them? Yeah, we, we built, we, I mean, we just took jugs and yeah. <laughs> turned them into uh with put Small spigots on, on put little yeah. spigots on them and and called them a hand washing station <laughs> so there you go it's quite simple quite simple yeah uh that did, was at the first the uh, first we didn't do that the first couple of weeks and were uh, highly suggested yeah yeah from some of our customers yeah so well, from the farmer perspective, what have you noticed? Have they have they had to? Do you feel like farmers have have gotten a little more comfortable with this new new setup and kind of new procedure, or what have you noticed there? I think um, for the farmers, I mean, one thing is just the the um, the, the sales have been higher, so yeah. that's been a plus, um, especially considering so many of our farmers did have so much restaurant business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're glad, you know, glad to, 
that we're able to fill somewhat fill a void mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. um we've everybody you know at first it was a little confusing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. spread out in a new spot but everybody's kind of gotten into a new groove and it is kind of our new normal yeah yeah well what have y'all learned from each of your work during the pandemic that you know fingers crossed this thing is over soon i think we're all ready to get back to hugging people and (laughs) and all of those things but what are some things that you're gonna take from this and i think it's not just the pandemic but just this really um i keep you it's like a very powerful potent time this year 2020 i think is testing everyone what are you going to take from that when things I don't even know if there is a normal, but what are you going to most take from this time? Let let it sink in for a minute. (laughs) Um, I think for me, um, you know, what what you're saying, actually, like when you mentioned like hugging people and stuff like that, like Mm -hmm. it's the it's it's the interpersonal interactions mm-hmm. with people the as tasha was talking about too like the authentic you know creating authentic relationships like we've been separated from them there's like between you know the sense of touch and mm-hmm. the sense just being around people um i think we're gonna i think that as as, as things hopefully get back to normal soon the intimacy in which we interact with our customers and um and our and our community is just going to deepen Mm -hmm. because we've continued to stay you know in authentic relationship with our with our community Mm -hmm. and so when things actually do go back to normal we're going to be able to do that like at an even deeper level Mm -hmm. and hopefully that can act in that way we'll be a leader in like you know healing and getting things back to normal yeah y'all have any other any other thoughts that was pretty pretty well summarized yeah Yeah, i'm about to say that pretty (laughs) 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 that was pretty uh, um much more eloquent than i would have put it so um but yeah i was just thinking about just how much you know we talked about it before covid that you know there's so much community around food but we've really seen it mm-hmm. the in this past six months. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, just being able to tell the story about where your food comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about, you know, how mm-hmm. much we really depend on one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much we've come to d- depend on our farmers because mm-hmm. – I don't want to go into a grocery store Mm -hmm. to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And, um, but I think just know that sense that food really is community Mm -hmm. really has, I think it's something that's going to stick with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the word you used a minute ago, healing was really, really good. I think that's a really effective, I think we need healing right now as all of this is happening. And I think, I don't know though, celebration and feasting is the is the word that comes to me after all of this i can't wait to have dinners with people and just giant you know paradise like dinners together (laughs) it's gonna feel so good (laughs) i know 
I think my biggest takeaway right now um, is just the power of intentionality. Mm. So we've all learned to be so intentional about when we're leaving our homes, mm -hmm. who we're interacting with, how, uh, what we're wearing, right? Like mm -hmm. what we're wearing on our face, our masks. Um, and I find that that has been really helpful in other aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we were moving at such a busy pace often that we were missing out on a lot of the magic of intentionality. Mm. And we've been forced to really look at, um, like Mark was saying, the healing that comes mm -hmm. with being a little bit more thoughtful about who we interact with. Mm. And I really hope that as we like adjust to this new normal, we bring that same level of intentionality into our interactions with ourselves, our community, our um, the people that we're interacting with, whether it's, you know, a service member. So like now we mm. really understand how important it is to like when you work in the food system, mm -hmm. right? Like now I'm hoping that people are really learning to value mm -hmm. um, folks who are contributing to our food system and treat um, them with respect yeah. that they deserve. Um, and like these are conversations that we're just now having. Many yeah. of us are just now having, but again, there are some of us who have been having these conversations for so long mm -hmm. and knowing that like this just takes so much work and intention. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really hoping that we bring all of that healing and intention and community forward in our new normal. Mm. Yeah. That's so well said. I mean, I think that for for many reasons, as hard as, as dealing with the pandemic has been, it is the epic reminder. I think we take for granted so much in our food system. I think it's why our food system is so broken as we take so much for granted and i think we take you know living in a very um in a in a place where we are fortunate to have good restaurants and and these great offerings but again we take it for granted i've i've heard some friends of mine say and i think it's it's amazing that if you are going out to eat right now you know maybe on patios or whatnot like tip 30 percent minimum like we gotta stop undervaluing the people that are that are working in food, from fi a fine dining restaurant to you know what to fast food or whatever it is. These are people that are unwillingly becoming frontline workers, exactly. and and it's important. It's crucial to value them. Um, I think that starts to kick in with you know food justice and and writing with the, writing the wrongs. Um, well, y'all, this has been such a rich conversation. I knew it would, but I've been even more blown away by by your continuing work and how much you've really even ramped up and I think deepened your roots during the pandemic um, and the and the social justice movement that's going on right now. Um, I think we're all lucky to work in food, and and this has been a hard time to do that work. It's certainly stressful, but it's even more crucial. So, thank you for your your healing work in the community. It's, it's very appreciated and recognized. Um, one thing I did want to talk about real quick, I know that y'all are a part of, of Savannah being a Georgia food oasis. And I think that's a really cool, I think that ties very, very tightly in with what we've been talking about is, you know, some of these findings like that you're looking up that 61% of, of, or that the redemptions of SNAP have, have increased by 61%. What are some other learnings that you've obtained from being a part of Georgia Food Oasis and, and having access to communities like Augusta and Columbus? I know, Jeb, we were on a, a call at the beginning of the pandemic with other 
it wasn't a Georgia Food Oasis call, but it was a it was a farmers market call across the state, and I think that's so imperative that the work that y'all are doing isn't just isolated to Savannah, but you're sharing everything that you're doing. And yeah, so talk a little bit more about that. You know, uh, for me personally, I, I was a farmer before I took this position, and so coming into this side of the food movement was really brand new, mm -hmm. and so having. Um, I'd say mentors mm. from the other food oasis cities has meant so much to me just because it's been a learning, mm -hmm. a learning experience. Um, and, you know, Augusta, you know, we're, uh, even though she's no longer with Augusta Locally Grown, but she, uh, Kim has been so valuable to us as we are looking at kind of redoing our farm truck program. Um, and these are relationships that we've been able to build through George Organics and yeah. through the Food Oasis program. That's great. That's great to hear. I mean, that's exactly what we want to know is that, you know, uh, that the team is providing resources and information and that that and being a facilitator for information sharing, especially in a time like right now where we have to, you know, beyond community, we have to be together as a state. Um, so that's that's awesome. And just one thing I appreciate of the whole of the Food Oasis program is it is the entire state and it's not yeah. you know, so much of statewide programs or Atlanta centric. Right. And right. Um, yeah, this is an opportunity for all the other cities around Georgia yeah. to um, be on the same footing. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, y'all, to close things out, I want to just kind of talk about um, something that we've been reflecting on a lot at Georgia Organics as we talk about food justice as racial justice and, and defining food apartheid and really just really knowing what's most important and what we need to pri prioritize. And, you know, I think a word, a term that keeps getting thrown around but probably needs to be tightened up and maybe even changed is the term good food. I think good food has become such a blanket statement. And, you know, if you're looking at the restaurant space, it's kind of like saying farm to table and how that kind of has become co-opted a little bit. And it can still come off a, a Cisco truck and be called farm to table. Um but I don't know, what do y'all see as, as good food? And maybe it is, maybe it is, maybe we need to stop using f good food and say food justice or be more specific. But what do y'all think about sort of the state of the community that we operate in, especially being, you know, nonprofits, being organizations that work in communities around these central issues? It's a big question. Yeah, <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> Yeah, my mind went a million different directions as you were talking. Um, so, um, as I was talk, as I was mentioning earlier about how the organization is, you know, doing this political education and re and defining our political identity. Um, I think there's certain verbiage that we're that we're starting to that we're instilling in the organization that can, that would be a little harder to co-opt. It would be harder to co-opt mm -hmm. terms like solidarity and mm -hmm. self-determination and mm -hmm. food apartheid. Those are terms that you that, that can't be like blanketed. You can't and dance around them. You can't dance yeah. around them. Yeah, they mean very specific things. You can't dance around racial justice and mm -hmm. you know these kind of terms. 
Um, you can't dance around, even though we're not a food sovereignty organization. Um, but that's that's you know that you can't dance around what food sovereignty looks like because mm -hmm. it it it, it it implies the food system a complete change in the food system mm -hmm. away from agribusiness and big corporate um, and, and corporations being in, in charge of our food system and our food systems being handled by people by mm -hmm. the real people who actually work inside of them. Um, so, you know, um, that's one thing that we're doing. Another thing that we're doing is be, um, I think that we have to start looking at ourselves as more as organizers and not just direct service. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of our partner organizations that we donate food to through the COVID-19 food fund, Food Not Bombs, they have a slogan that they use, um, solidarity not charity mm. and so wow, you know that's good solidarity not charity right yeah. so for example the way we may exhibit that in our organization then this was another program that came up as a as a um as a as a reaction to COVID 19 we have a program called the farm truck boutique mm -hmm. so recognizing that our numbers that we were doing very well at the farmers market on the farm truck and everything we also knew that there were other entrepreneurs in our community who probably are not as fortunate because they're not working or whatnot so what we do now once every other month is we bring the farm truck to the farmers market and people in the community who um who are also food entrepreneurs or food artisans or growers we they get to they get to have the space mm -hmm. at the farmers market and actually get to experience it so um and get yeah actually get to experience it and then once they get introduced like that the potential of them becoming an actual vendor is is, is there now mm -hmm. so um just to kind of wrap that piece up it's really about like um those of us in places of privilege using our platform to let other people mm -hmm. stand in front and we stand with them not not for them or anything because that's the thing that's the thing about self-determination mm -hmm. we believe community can do it we just have to create the space for community to be able to do it wow yeah we're done that's it <laughs> 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 that was just i got chills that was that's it that's it I mean, you said it simply, it's deeply intricate and it takes a lot of work, but it's relationship-centered, it's people-centered. Um, and yeah, food sovereignty, understanding the, the power and ability of people when you stand with them, not for them. I think that's very, very well said, wow. I literally don't know what else to ask. <laughs> 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 it was just, hit the nail on the head so um anything else you think that y'all think people should really know about um we'll be sure to share websites social media things like that when we when we share the episode um it's definitely been great following you guys on social seeing all the work you have going on um yeah anything else y'all got anything coming up um any ways for folks to to be particularly engaged right now We'll be having our next farm truck boutique on October the 3rd. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> good, good. And and folks can see the farm truck schedule on the Forsyth Farmers Market website. Yep. Um, also learn how to donate to, say, the COVID relief fund again? Uh, COVID-19 food fund. Just go to our website, ForsythFarmersMarket.com, 
um, what was it for? Backslash, backslash, backslash give, mm -hmm. and just write in COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. And I know, too, for folks that, that might be looking to become a part of the SNAP program, if they're recently eligible, they can find out more through Wholesome Wave, um, Wholesome Wave Georgia. So. Yeah, and we actually do SNAP enrollments as well. Perfect. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, and not only just do we do them, but we can go to you or that we can in the, in the, in now you can do them across the phone. So we make it very convenient for people to be able to sign up for SNAP benefits. So they can just stay right in their backyard, connect with y'all, and they're good to go. That's amazing. Y'all, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your work as a, as a Georgian and just seeing what you're doing. And I'm sure the joy and the, the healing that you're bringing people. It's really powerful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming down to Savannah today. Oh my gosh, I'll, I'll stay forever. Although I wish I could use some sun. <laughs> it just started raining now. So. Well, thanks, y'all. Next up, we have Gardening with Farmers. And I am thrilled that we have Haleen Green, the garden queen herself, to share with us some quick fall gardening tips. There's a reason she's called the garden queen. Haleen Green has been an agriculture leader in Georgia, and specifically Atlanta, for many, many years. She is a legend, and we're so excited that she can share her knowledge with us today, and hope you enjoy. Hello, I'm Mama Haleen Green, the garden queen, sitting in my garden right here in the southwest side of Atlanta. I am a fifth-generation farmer from the island of Jamaica, maroon lineage, and have been growing all my life. I am the CEO and founder of Garden Queen Enterprises, Incorporated. I specialize in growing tropical fruits and vegetables creating value-added products from the harvest, like my hibiscus sorrel tea and my tropical pumpkin vegetable soup. I teach sustainability, growing techniques to emerging gardeners and farmers. Most of my crops are native to the Caribbean and grown right here in Atlanta. Many people say my produce are larger than life. My top three fall gardening tips are number one, crops that grow well during this time of year, which is the fall season, are including kale, collard greens, turnips, cabbage, spinach, broccoli, arugula, cauliflower, and onions, among others. Number two, first you start out with healthy soil, healthy seeds, producing healthy food. I create rich compost from rotten fruits and vegetables, wood chips, juice pulps, mixing them with my healthy soil, 
when I'm ready to plant, I put it and incorporate it in my soil. Remember, never to put cooked foods in your compost. Number three, placing cardboard under your pots or raised beds will keep the weeds at bay, produces worms that will enrich your soil. Georgia Organics Director of Fundraising and Communications, Jeff Romig, talked to the founders of the Farmer Fund, Darla Milstein, formerly of Farmburger, and Lauren Carey of the Peachtree Road Farmers Market. We're so grateful for their incredible leadership and for establishing this fund five years ago and are excited to celebrate the progress it's made since then. In 2018, Georgia Organics took over the leadership of the Farmer Fund, and we're proud to say that since then, we've raised over $175,000 to help small farmers in Georgia, whether they're recovering from disasters like Hurricane Michael, healthcare emergencies, or more recently, the COVID-19 pandemic. This year alone, we've been able to award $1,000 grants to 71 small Georgia farms, and are continuing that relief as we speak. If you want to learn more about the Farmer Fund and donate, visit thefarmerfund.org. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me all right? I can. How are you doing? I'm all right. How's everything with you and your family? Everybody safe, safe and healthy? Everybody's safe and healthy. We're not going anywhere. So here today with, with Lauren Carey and Darla Milstein, um, founders of the Farmer Fund. So we're here on the Georgia Foodcast, um, checking in on the origin story of this amazing initiative to support farmers in Georgia. So thank you all for, for joining today. And, you know, just to start, um, kind of tell me how, how this, you know, really initiated and starting, started to come together. Can I start with that one? Sure. Please. Yeah. Okay. So it starts it started with as all good things do at a bar. <laughs> um, we were sitting at Wrecking Bar actually and um, having some beers and talking about um, kind of like now we're so we're so many years removed from it. I can't remember exactly how it came up, but talking about ways that we could really uh, create an impact in a, in a industry that meant so together. much to us. Yes, and do something fun together at the same time. And um, Lauren can talk a little bit about um, her background. And uh, at the time I was the director of catering and events for Farm Burger, which anyone in Georgia will know, well, anyone in the Georgia farm world will know who that is. Um, and so farming was obviously really important to the two of us. Um, and, uh, and our and connecting people to local food and, um, but we also wanted to do, we like, that's what we did every day in our jobs. And so what we also wanted to do was do something that we could do together because we didn't actually work together and to do something that, um, was just really fun. And so we came up with this idea of the farmer fund calendar. So Lauren, if you want to, you want to take it, take some of it from there. Sure. I think um, professionally, no, no, I'm still here. Um, Great. 
so Darla and I both were pulling together events every week um, and had a lot of fun working together, but we never got to actually own something together. We were always kind of like um, at the same events. And so it was so fun when we finally got to hang out and just have beers and we were like, oh yeah, you know, it would be really fun. You know where, what we could pull off together that nobody else could would be utilizing all of our farmer and chef contacts to do something really outrageous. Um, and so we, not so many years before in 2009, there'd been all of the, far, the floods that had really crippled so many well-known farms like Love is Love. Um, I think that was probably the best known flood story. And so we decided we would give money to farmers after natural disasters. And our one big like thing was going to be to produce this silly calendar. Mm. And we were like, we're just, it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be, it was not, it was not ever our dream or thought at that time over a couple of beers to have an organization or a multi-year experience. We just wanted, we were like, we'll make these calendars. They'll be silly and fun. They'll be like a little insider thing. We'll print some, we'll sell some, and we'll, we'll write a thousand dollar check to somebody to use the money. But then there wasn't anybody <laughs> to give the money to. And that's really how Farmer Fund was born. Um, we realized that there was this great need and now we've collected money on behalf of this cause, um, but there was nobody doing the work. Darla, do you want to pick up from there? Um, yeah, so that, so from there we, we started to really come up with, you know, the idea of the, of the, the calendar and then created the farmer fund in connection with the calendar. So, you know, we started to come up with like, the, the logo and the name and the website and, and, and work with a web developer on that. And we started to design the calendar and come up with partnerships um, with uh, the farmers and the, and the chefs and um, had a partnership with um, an apron manufacturer so that we could have our chefs um, wearing aprons. And then we started to come up with the idea that maybe our chefs should just wear aprons and nothing else. So then it became this kind of like fun, <laughs> scandalous, calendar which added you know added even more to like the fun that we could create and 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 it created a really cool audience because um because it's you know it was like it was just fun and edgy and uh at the same time doing something that was close to all, all of our hearts so we had no problem getting chefs and farmers interested um sh the chefs and the farmers lo like love the work that each other are doing but so often can't take any time off from the work from their jobs and so the first year that we we did it we actually created a day we actually like had um beer i think wrecking bar did beer farm burger did food um we had a tent set up on the farm that day and people could just come and hang out as long as they wanted and the farmers and the chefs were just loved loved it the people who could hang around they loved the experience of everyone hanging out together um, and you know and just getting silly with the with the shoots and 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 uh and being as the the, the farmers started matching the chefs on how scantily clad they were which was entertaining as well um and it was just like it was such a fun day um and we decided from that fr from that that 
that, uh, that experience, we really wanted to make sure that we got the calendar out because if that was going to be our big fundraiser, we had to make sure that we got sales and that we really, we raised some money for this organization. And um, that's when we came up with the idea of our launch party. So there was going to be the calendar launch party that happened and we got, well, I think 12 breweries and 12 restaurants. Um, and we held it at the, mm -hmm. uh, the cathedral in Brookhead. And um, we had this huge party and we gave the calendars out and we sold more, more calendars. We did a live auction of blow-ups of some of the outtakes. So some of the stuff that was actually too scandalous for us to put into the calendar, we did huge blow-ups that people could, um, <laughs> could bid on. Um, we had an apron fashion show, which just was like another really fun event to bring everybody in that community together and raise even more money for it. Um, so it, it really like, when, when I remember standing in that room that day with Lauren, with like our arms around each other being like, oh, we really did it. Like sitting on and on those bar stools that day, we wanted to do something that had impact for the <laughs> farmer community in Georgia and was a ton of fun for us and we did it. Awesome, so how did yeah. it go um, You're really, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, from the like calendar and all the kind of the forward facing fun, how did the, you know, the, the organizational piece of that follow and, you know, putting together a board and doing, you know, doing that side of it, which, you know, putting together a nonprofit isn't the easiest thing to do, so. No, and that was kind of the part where um, it was, we were really lucky to have, again, incredible connections because our expertise was um, doing the event logistics to pull off a calendar shoot. We shot everybody in one day um, with timed arrivals, with an incredible volunteer photographer who shot every calendar, Stacy Bodie Photography. Um, Headley and Bennett provided the aprons free. Um, and I, I think the chefs were so excited to not have to cook that we just wanted them and um you know asking them to get naked uh, really plays into the chef ego and that's it's helpful that they have that um and the farmers didn't have to donate anything they just had to like show up and be adorable we actually had on-site hair and makeup so that felt really special for them um and and i think that was again part of what enabled us to pull together a board. Um, in its early days, um, I had to go before the Cathedral of St. Philip, which houses the Peachtree Road Farmer's Market, where I was currently the executive director, and ask if they would hold the farmer fund um, under their 501c3, mm -hmm. which enabled us to get a much faster start um, because all of the accounting and the auditing and the ability to write checks and turn them around within, you know, 48 hours to farmers in need was something that we could do under that infrastructure. Um, and that was a key piece of being able to get started. Um, I think so many young nonprofits don't have that kind of infrastructure and that's where people start to stumble and maybe get in trouble and maybe have some financial question marks um so being able to use 
um, the cathedral and be welcomed under their umbrella of acknowledging the community um, and taking care of the people within their community was key in terms of getting us started. Um, and then like any good board, you start looking for your three W's. Who's gonna be your work? Who's gonna be your wealth? Who's gonna be your wisdom? Um, looking for lawyers and strategic thinkers. And really, I think one of the biggest things was to not, one of the things we did particularly well was to bring people who were not the same faces of the local food and um, farmer community that it's like, oh, it's the same six people. It's a new board meeting. It's a different organization, but it's the same six people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really think that um, particularly Lara Smith of Dad's Garage was phenomenal at giving us that strategic look um, as somebody who didn't know as much about farming and didn't wasn't as deep in the local food really called us to question assumptions that we made. Um, and was like, well, okay, it might be that we do it this way, but why? Um, Naomi uh, Green of the Giving Kitchen was phenomenal in helping us develop our grant applications so that we didn't make some of the mistakes that they had made. Um, and just really being super thoughtful about what that application was, what were we covering, how, where did that money go, what were the tax implications, um, all the stuff that really isn't like the fun part of just like asking chefs to take off their pants. Um, so it, it really, once we saw that it had legs and, and could become an annual event, um, it was, it was a big deal. It was a, a very big deal and not what we had set out to initially do. Um, but certainly it's grown. It's grown so much um, and has done phenomenal good because that was the thing about natural disasters. It wasn't a question of if it would happen. It was just a question of when it would happen and how bad would it be. Um, so that was, I'm glad that it was long in place before the hurricanes um, and so many other things that face farmers. And I think it's also helped to pull in the eaters to really look at the relationship between the chefs and the farmers and appreciate that. Who were some of the standout chefs and farmers from the, the early, the first calendar and in, in the early days? Darla, so who comes to mind for you? Mm. Um, well, I mean, Ryan Smith. I'll never comes forget to Ryan Smith. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think there's a slight, slight delay in the audio, so, lot, so. so. Yeah, yeah. No, um, he took it all off, and that was some of the best of the um, blow-ups that we did. Um, where Ryan Smith um, exposing himself, um, which was hysterical. Um, uh, I mean, gosh, I, it's been a while since I've looked through the calendars, um, but um, I mean, I really, 
I'm biased, but I, I always remember the farm burger shot. Um, I think getting some of Cameron Thompson and Stella Dillard were, were, the, were the chefs in that shot. And um, just uh, people who, who I'm, I, I never saw them in that light before, you know, they were very, if anyone knows Cam, Chef Cam Thompson, he's, you know, like you don't really think of him stripping down for a photo shoot. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was, you know, it was really fun to see to see some of those chefs get be, be in that in that in a new in a new light. Someone someone we didn't get to see them before. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Joey Ward um, and Zeb Stevenson, um, Jenny of Super Jenny. I I really think what Sarah O'Brien from Little Tart. Um, just making, seeing all of these Hector Santiago, I mean, like people who are just willing to have fun um, and come out there and be a part of things, um, especially as the calendar expanded as we went outside of the Atlanta food scene um, in the later years to, to recognize chefs that were doing that farm to table work in their community and how different that that, that looked than um, Atlanta and just what, what a small restaurant that really cared about um, its farmers could do and the impact that those chefs could have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and recognizing people in, you know, Brunswick and, you know, people in Savannah and um, the, the, you know, White Oak Pastures, um, both that, the whole farm chef connection and relationship and how powerful it can be. Um, and I know that many of those faces have continued to support, especially in light of um, COVID and the restaurants being closed and finding different creative ways to support the farmers, even when they can't be buying in the same quantities because their restaurants closed. Mm -hmm. So what else do you remember from those early days? Um, I, I, I think it's due to give a shout out to Mary at Decimal Place Goat Farm too, for the holding the location of our first shoot um, and um, opening that up to all of us, which was really amazing. Um, uh, you know, inviting a bunch of other farmers onto your farm is, um, can, can sometimes be a nerve wracking thing for, for a farmer. Um, and I remember at, uh, at one point that day, we couldn't find a couple of the people who were up for their next photo shoot. I can't remember exactly who it was at the time. And we like started searching around the farm for them. We found them under Mary's tractor. They were helping her fix her tractor and, and, and rebuild something that had gone wrong. And it was just like one of those yeah. amazing moments of like Georgia farmers coming together to help each other out. And um, I, you know, it was a really, it really was a very, it, it was, it was one of those days that you would like, we finished and we were like, did that really just happen? Like, was that, that was a really cool yeah. experience. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think just seeing the farmers get to spend time together, farming can be so isolating and 
pulling people off their farms is a really big deal, um, especially for a full day. And so just to see them kind of like relax and chill and talk and exchange information. And it was like, it had a great synergy. Um, and also for those chefs to maybe meet farmers that they'd never met before, um, or maybe even people that are only like a text and an email, um, it, it, it had that kind of magic mm-hmm. of people seeing each other in person and forming a bond and creating a relationship. Um, and I think there's, there's nothing like throwing people into an unusual situation um, to create a bond and asking them to take off all their clothes is a good way to create an unusual situation. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciated it coming to, to Georgia Organics. Why, why did y'all decide that that was the best landing spot? We did Lauren, actually a good one? number of interviews. Yeah. Um, so we really had kind of hit that point with um, both the income and I was leaving the farmer's market in the cathedral and I'd been kind of overseeing and, and the admin um, for both the, the farmer's market as well as keeping an eye on farmer fund. And with my departure, it really wasn't fair to saddle whomever was next with both ED jobs, especially when one was not paid. Um, And so we started talking to other organizations. Um, It was really important for us to find somebody with statewide reach, um, somebody who already had all of the same logistic financial pieces that were already in place. and ideally somebody who can help build and continue all of those chef and farmer relationships. Um, So we did talk to several different organizations um, who now continue to work um, as partners uh, with with Georgia Organics. We talked to Foodwell Alliance. We talked to Wholesome Wave. We, We really kind of looked at, explored how those, um, how those organizations could bring different things to Farmer Fund as it evolved. Um, And what's so beautiful now is it went to Georgia Organics, who had the perfect statewide reach and relationships. And now all those other organizations um, are still really involved in making it as, as special as it is. It's really something that isn't being done anywhere else in the country. Um, But it makes so much sense. And I think that's sometimes how it's just so logical. It makes so much sense, um, but didn't exist. And I think that's how it all, it all becomes something special. And we're, we're thrilled. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that was a great way to explain it. I think that's right. What I'd like to just add to that is that I think Lauren and I recognized it had gotten as big as it could with us in, in charge, you know, with our, and with our board. And, and we just thought, we really need to give this to someone who can who can make this what we know it can be. And like Lauren said, it's like it's interesting to see that that this this kind of model isn't happening anywhere else in the country, um, or you know at least it wasn't at the time that we were what we were spearheading it. 
And we thought Georgia Organics would just be the kind of the kind of organization that could make it even more statewide than we were able to. And and your your reach is is so so like you're through the entire the entire state. And um, the relationships that Georgia Organics had just felt like the most powerful place that the farmer fund could go. And and our hope is that you know we talked about this when we first started it up. It was like eventually it would be really nice to see that every state had this. You know that there was something in place for because mm -hmm. there are local farmers everywhere and everybody could use something like this. So we thought Georgia Organics would be like the, really the best home for it to, to grow and, and show the rest of the country what, what you can do. Well, and it's been, you know, in during the pandemic, bringing together um, our partners, Food Law Alliance, CFM, Global Growers, Common Market, Wholesome Wave, Young Farmers Coalition, um, you know, being able to work together to raise money um, has been has been you know really really fun and and meaningful and you know it's helped us like I told y'all raise about two hundred thousand dollars at this point so um, we're excited to continue to give that back to farmers who are being impacted and um, you know and you know in this in this pandemic broadening that definition of you know of disaster and of emergency and um, you know being able to meet farmers where they are with whatever's happened. That's fantastic. It's so it's great to see that you know I mean, things when we started it we, we really wanted to to see it you know it, it grow and for you to, to for Georgia Organics even to change the definition of what a disaster is makes sense for where where we had originally you know where where it had originally come from. Agreed. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I appreciate it. We're gonna. Go ahead and sign off of the Georgia Foodcast for today. Thank you so much to Darla and Lauren for joining us and sharing about the origins of the Farmer Fund. And um, we hope you'll continue to subscribe and hear about all the great work happening across Georgia in the Good Food Movement. Well, folks, that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed. We'll be back in another two weeks to share more good food stories from the city of Atlanta and beyond. In the meantime, Make sure you give us a follow on social media. That's George Organics and the Atlanta Foodcast. Signing off. Thanks for joining us.